Welcome to the Warriors IP VIP podcast. My name is Jeremy Harrison, and I will be your host for this episode. In this episode, I invited three guests onto the podcast to discuss design patents. My first guest is Adam Sherman. He's going to discuss how you can leverage and protect your design patents in e-commerce marketplaces. And my other two guests are Jillian Sherman and Eugene Lyman from Visualize IP, and they will discuss why it's important to conduct a proper design patent search before investing the time and money in preparing and filing a design patent application. Visualize IP has an innovative search platform that is set to change the way design patents are searched, and I wanted to get Jillian and Eugene on to give us an inside view. And now here's my conversation with Adam, Jillian, and Eugene. I'm pleased to have with me today multiple guests to discuss design patents and e-commerce and the importance of effective design patent searching. My first guest is Adam Sherman. He's a partner uh, at Voorhees and splits his time between the Voorhees, Cincinnati, and Orange County offices. And one of the reasons I've asked Adam to join us today is that he's also a member of the Voorhees e-control group and his, focus, and his practice focuses uh, on helping companies navigate IP issues in e-commerce. But he also counsels clients on how to harness e-commerce and online marketplace opportunities. A significant part of Adam's practice focuses on helping direct seller and network marketing companies to manage and contain unauthorized online sales. Adam received his JD from the New York University uh, School of Law and his BA from the University of Michigan. He's also an adjunct professor at, at the uh, Northern Kentucky University where he teaches IP law. And my second and third guests are Jillian Sherman and Eugene Lyman who join us from Sherman Patent Search Group and Visualize IP. Jillian is the vice, uh, the, the VP of Business Development with Client Relations at the Sherman Patent Search Group and Visualize IP, and she also has over a decade of experience in general in the general field of patent research. Now, Eugene, he's the founder of Visualize IP, and that's a computer vision patent search company that launched uh, in January 2022, so fairly recently. He's also the founder of Sherman Patent Search Group, which launched in 2013. Eugene also was a former USPTO examiner and is a mechanical engineer by background. Adam, Jillian, Eugene, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. So today we're going to talk about design patents, how companies or patent owners can leverage those design patents in online marketplaces. But uh, I also want to talk about the importance of conducting a proper patent search before jumping uh, jumping in and filing a design patent application. Uh, so for the benefit of our listeners who may be unfamiliar with what design patents are or those who may, might need a quick refresher, I want to start by providing a brief overview of design patents. So when most people think of patents, they typically think of a new machine or a new process, but the ornamental design or the look of a functional item can also be protected with what is known as a design patent that has a lifespan of, of 15 years whereas uh, utility patents have a 20-year lifespan. So protecting an, an item's look, by doing that, you can prevent others from manufacturing or importing that design. So in contrast to utility patents, a design patent doesn't protect the item's function. Instead, it protects how it looks. And some, some of the famous design patents that we're all familiar with are Coca-Cola's unique bottle shape. Also, the oval shape of Oakley sunglasses, that's protected by, or at least at one point was protected by design patents. And uh, we, none of us can forget Apple's design patent for the iPhone uh, that simply showed the general rectangular shape of the iPhone and was subsequently the subject of a lawsuit with competitor Samsung. And uh, in that case, if you recall, they, uh, Samsung ended up ponying up around $540 million for infringing a rectangle. <laughs> kind of an interesting uh, story there. So companies and inventors often ask why they should consider filing a design patent. From a practical standpoint, design patents can be much faster way to obtain a patent. Examination time for design patents about a year, whereas it takes about two to three years for utility patents to even start examination. So you can get to a you can get a patent a lot quicker with a design patent. Um, design patents are generally less expensive. They have no maintenance fees. Also, design patents provide the same marketing advantages as utility applications. 
once a design application is on file, you can start labeling your product as patent pending. And once that design patent issues, then you can change that marking to say it's patented. And from a legal, uh, legal standpoint, design patents can be used to prevent the importation of infringing products. And it, they can also be a nice tool for preventing or stopping knockoffs, which leads me into my first guest, Adam. Adam, I'd like to talk a little bit about how a strong IP portfolio, including design patents, can benefit a business's metrics when it comes to e-commerce and enforcement. So with that, I'd like to know your thoughts. How can design patents be useful in e-commerce? How can they be leveraged? What are your thoughts? Sure. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, when protecting your brand online and in the e-commerce channels, you want every weapon possible at your disposal. Uh, online marketplaces are not in the business of removing product listings or helping brands protect uh, their products. They get commissions on every product sold, and so they want more and more products sold on their platforms. So you want to be able to use your trademarks, your copyrights, and your patents, uh, both utility and design patents, to help protect your brand and your, your products. You can always use another weapon. Um, this is a, you know, a, a wild west out there, um, because if there is a way for um, someone to free ride off your brand on an online marketplace, um, someone is going to do it. In fact, uh, there are software tools out there that help sellers uh, find potential knockoffs for your product. Um, they will find products that sell very well on the marketplace. They will link you with potential sources for knockoffs. Um, and the way marketplaces are set up, everyone is kind of uh, competing on an equal footing, right? You have the same sort of listing on Amazon, for example, the same sort of product listing, the same sort of information is available. So you, you, it's very easy to compete with established products. And if a product has the same look and feel of a popular product, but it is cheaper, it is going to attract sales and take sales away from the other product. You know, at Amazon, sellers are very clever. They know how to advertise. They know how to get their products to appear high in the search results. Uh, so if they have a knockoff of your product and they're, they know what they're doing, they're going to get it right alongside and compete with you on price. So having a strong design patent is a great tool for combating this if your product has a, a unique ornamental design. And in fact, uh, if the product at issue that is competing with you isn't infringing your trademarks or using your images improperly, having a design patent or you know a trade dress is really the only way that you're going to stop uh, knockoffs on the marketplace. So it is a critical tool for companies that are selling products with a unique um, ornamental design. Yeah, so, so Adam, you mentioned these tools that, um, that they're able to, to be used to, to you know, kind of scour the landscape out there. Is this what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Are you helping clients using the, use this tool to be able to you know, protect those that have patents or those that are, are looking to maybe not infringe a patent? So what, what we normally do is we'll, we'll use uh, monitoring tools to kind of figure out which of the sellers and which of the products are having the most impact on a brand's authorized products. And a lot of times what we're dealing with are you know, gray market sellers or um, you know, potentially counterfeiters as well, but we do see a lot of very similar products. So we use slightly different tools because what we wanna do is we wanna find the 
products that are showing up in the search results when someone is looking for one of our clients' products. And we want to be able to focus our enforcement efforts on the sellers and the listings that are having the most impact. So they're slightly different tools, but they, they come at things generally from the other side. Yeah. So w when it comes to a, a, a client that you have that has a, a, an enforceable design patent, but they're noticing that they're being infringed here, what are some of your remedies here? I mean, how do you enforce a, a design patent in online marketplaces? Right. There are a number of ways that you can enforce your rights on a marketplace. And I'm going to talk in, you know, Amazon language to some degree because it is the, the biggest marketplace, at least in the U.S. and the one that one that our clients is, are, is most concerned about. Um, so Amazon offers a number of tools. Um, the most popular is the brand registry which is tied to a trademark, but it also allows you to insert, to assert um, other IP rights, such as uh, design or utility patent infringement. The problem with that is that um, Amazon very frequently will reject even valid submissions, particularly for patents. Um, Amazon doesn't really have much interest in getting into the nitty gritty of a design patent and determining, hey, is this really infringing or not? Um, they will pretty much reject most of the submissions that you do unless it is just glaringly obvious that it is a total knockoff of your product. It, and because of that, uh, there are some other op there are other things that we do to help brands protect their rights here. The, the most common one is that we help uh, identify the online infringers and we get a cease and desist letter to them. Um, Amazon used to not provide any information about the sellers online. You were kind of left on your own to do that. Um, starting about a year and a half ago, they began doing that in the U.S., where they provide some basic contact information for a seller. Sellers have gotten wise to this and now do things to disguise their identity, whether or not that's using completely fake names or filing for a cheap LLC in Wyoming, which doesn't require you to disclose any real information. Um, figuring out who these sellers are is still um, a big part of what we do. And we use you know, online investigators that are super experienced at tracking down sellers. We do test buys of products to help us ID them that way. But through a, and through a variety of tactics, we're able to identify who these online sellers are. And once we have a real name or a real business, we can get a cease and desist letter in their hands. And most of the time, you know, if the seller is not selling a huge amount of this product, they are going to, you know, take it down rather than risk further legal action. Uh, but that's not all sellers. Some sellers, you know, are hard to identify or you can't get to them. So one of the other unique things that Amazon has that we, we use sometimes is their neutral evaluation program. This started out as something aimed primarily at utility patents. Um, and Amazon did that for a couple of years. We, it was by invitation only. Now the utility patent portion of it is, is in production and it's a lot easier to use. You don't need um, special permission to use it. But they are now have opened up that process to design patents kind of in a testing phase. And you need to kind of work with contact, work with Amazon, contact them and ask for permission to uh, use their neutral evaluation program for design patents. But that can be a really powerful tool as well. It is essentially a, you know, a quasi arbitration that's pretty cheap to do where Amazon will set up 
you know, a third party to evaluate um, your design patent. It's all done on the papers, a, a little bit of short briefing. Both um, the person wanting to enforce their patent has to put some money in the game as well as the people that are selling the infringing product. If they don't contribute their fee to participate in the program, the, the patent holder automatically wins and Amazon will remove um, that product from the platform. So that could be a very powerful tool because if less the infringer is willing to put up $4,000 to, you know, for the privilege of the arbitration, their product's going to be um, removed and the brand will get their money back. Right. So I actually had a, uh, another podcast interview with Tim Artizoni, uh, Artizoni just, a, just a few weeks back, and we talked about this, and, and we both had t- heard anecdotal evidence that uh, the UP, any of the, the utility patent neutral evaluation program was, trans- was doing a trial for the design patent. Uh, so it's good to hear that, uh, that there, there can be an invitation there, because as you said, brand registry, it's, it's very unpredictable, uh, uh, submitting a, a design patent complaint. I mean, I, I've submitted complaints where you have the exact same product differing only in size or color. One is removed and the other is not. It doesn't make any sense. They're nonsensical responses for, through brand registry. But if you get it before a person through this neutral evaluation program, I think that'll be more, more effective. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, we still recommend going through the brand registry process because sometimes um, even if Amazon is going to reject the submission, they will often provide some information about the sellers. And we're all, we always welcome that information and in helping us figure out who those sellers actually are. All right. Well, yeah, I, I, it's been my experience. Most of the sellers are uh, you know, foreign nationals in, in China. And as you said, I think there are a lot of people that just don't want the legal hassle. They end up just taking down the products or, or removing. But uh, there are some difficult ones to get, get in contact with. So, And I've, I've, I've been uh, had experience with uh, the investigators in your group and e-control, and you guys do a fantastic job of uh, tracking down these individuals. So that's good. Well, all right. Well, I'd like to switch gears at this point a little bit, and I want to talk about the importance of, uh, importance of conducting a design patent prior art search prior to filing your design patent application. As, as you can be, as you can appreciate, a weak design patent can be problematic. We want strong design patents, so a robust search is highly recommended. And so, with that, I want to turn the time over to uh, to, to Jillian and Eugene and and talk about patent searching in the in the design space in particular. And Jillian, Eugene, as, some, as someone deep into this industry, what are your initial thoughts on design patent searching? Is it worth the time and the money? I, I, I know some clients that I have, they file so many design patents, they, they don't even go the, 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 the search route. They just go for the application and allow the patent office to do the search for them. If they win, they win. If they lose, they lose. So what, what are your thoughts? Is it worth the time and money? Thanks, Jeremy. Um, it absolutely is. And, um, um, you know, before we, we, we dive into what Visualize, Visualize IP is and, and what we built, um, I'd like to just share some like global design patent statistics. Um, in the US, for example, more than 33% of design patent cases have claims that survive IPR. And so, um, you know, that in and of itself, there's, there's a need for due diligence 
to to you know to render and create stronger um, you know design patents. And we see this trend statistically worldwide. In Korea, for example, in 2016, 75 percent of petitions to invalidate um, industrial you know registered designs in Korea were accepted, and the designs were invalidated. In, um, in, in the European Union, between 2010 and 2017, more than 2,800 design invalidity procedures were filed. Um, that's a substantial amount of, of post-grant um, you know, uh, procedures for uh, registered industrial designs. Um, probably the most telling statistic that we've seen globally in China, 47.9% on average of designs are completely invalidated and 1.2% are partially invalidated. All of these statistics make a very strong point for performing a, a design search. And, you know, and we know the argument of, of um, you know, different design filers is that, hey, the cost of, of filing a design application is extremely low. So we're mm -hmm. just going to see what, what, you know, the USPTO or what, you know, the global patent offices come back with. But, you know, seeing these statistics of designs that are completely invalidated, um, it just, it makes sense to, to, to know what the prior art is before you file. So you have a sense of how valid your design even is. Um, you know, if, you know, monetization is sort of, you know, it's in the plans for, for a certain, you know, design portfolio, um, there's a strong, there's a strong argument based on, you know, the data uh, I just described for design due diligence, even just in the context of pre-filing uh, design searches. Um, you know, uh, we, I would say one of the biggest obstacles to wanting to perform pre-filing design search is really cost, cost and time. Those are by far the two, you know, most limiting factors. And, and Jillian, I, I'd love for you to talk about, you know, what Visualize IP can do in terms of cost, in terms of time uh, and ease of use. Sure. Thank you, Eugene. Yes. Um, so we have found our clients that were doing design searches um, you know, they really thought, okay, well, I'm, I want to search this, but it takes so much time. We got to send the email. We got to wait for a response. We got to wait, you know, one to two weeks for turnaround. It's going to cost me anywhere between, you know, $2,500 and $3,000. And so that's why we saw this issue. We saw a problem in the space and we're like, we can fix that. And so Visualize IP, we've created AI algorithms to allow all of those issues to be completely just giving you so much more options because one, you're going to be saving up to 90%. So a uh, simple design search, let's say US only is going to cost you about $199. And if you want to even go basically worldwide, it's going to range up to about $399. Also, in past, when we've had human searchers doing the design searches, it's, it would take anywhere from one to two to even three weeks, depending on you know how busy and, and things are going and how much they wanted us to search. Well, Visualize IP can turn around your results in less than one minute, which is kind of insane if you think about that. And also, we're just so comprehensive that you know a, a human searcher can really only look through about 20 to 30,000 images. And what we can do with Visualize IP and RAI computer vision is go through about 80 million images during a search. 
So we're, we have the accuracy, we're saving you time, we're saving you money. So in our opinion, and in, in the opinion of our clients that have used Visualize IP, it's kind of a no-brainer if you are planning to do a design search. And, you know, the, the issue about cost, which I know is always, you know, budgets and everything for clients, that those are always constrained, that is solved with this. Yeah, and that's really what we're seeing as well, where... Um, you know, in-house counsel, you know, where they receive 300, you know, design invention disclosures a year, you know, in the past, they had to pick and choose which ones they actually, you know, devoted time resources towards in terms of patent search, in terms of, you know, filings. And now, you know, they're really able to serve their clients better because they're able to now perform due diligence at a much easier pace. Um, it, it's cost effective. And, you know, as much as we stress cost effectiveness, because that is like the definition of automation, right? We're reducing costs and we're, and we're performing and doing things that humans probably couldn't replicate over and over and over again consistently. And that's really, you know, what, we, we, what we've achieved with our computer vision system. We're really enabling our clients, uh, you know, to serve their clients better. Part of serving clients better is providing better data. And if you have better data, you can provide better opinions. You can provide more direct uh, guidance to your clients. And, and that's really, you know, I think like the, the, the holistic or qualitative benefits that we're seeing so far. Yeah. So, so you'd mentioned their computer vision searching. So uh, I've, it's my understanding the reason that, that, that we can do this at a much more cost-effective um, rate is because of the artificial intelligence, the AI aspect of this. Can you define for us? And I, obviously, I understand that there's some secret sauce here, some trade secrets that you have. So touching, <laughs> touching lightly on that. Can you define for us computer vision and how, how Visualize IP uses artificial intelligence to, to get efficient and effective results? Sure. Um, we're absolutely using AI for sure. And, you know, really with AI, with automation, it, it really boils down to what is the question we're trying to answer? And so when we're performing a design search, the question we're trying to answer really fundamentally is like, is picture A similar to picture B? If it is, tag it as being relevant. And let's figure out just exactly what percent you know, relevance, uh, uh, you know, we have between the two images. If it's not relevant, we move on. And so like with that in mind, the fact that we're trying to answer a pretty binary question, it is ripe for automation. And, you know, the state of the art of computer vision, you know, teaming up with our data scientists, um, you know, the, the problem was, was, was very, it was able to be solved. It was able to be solved, you know, in, you know, in, in the past few years and um, using automation to now compare like millions of images to millions of images. That's something that, you know, at a human level, at a manual level, it's just not possible. If you were to approach, you know, a manual traditional brick and mortar patent search firm and say, hey, we want you guys to look through 500,000 references one by one, look at all the images in every single reference and do it for, you know, $4,000 or something. Like, no one can do that because it's not possible. That in and of itself, that search request, that's like a, you know, that's like a $100,000 search. No one wants to pay that. But now with automation, we're able to accomplish these kinds of like gargantuan tasks at um, a, a very cost-effective standpoint. And really, you know, uh, uh, you know, part of the, the formula for what makes all of this possible is like the advent of, of cloud computing. 
I mean, that's a huge part of this is, is like the power of cloud computing. The fact that we can leverage, um, you know, an infinite number of servers, uh, you know, really at our fingertips as well. And so it's, you know, it's that combination of advanced mathematics behind our computer vision algorithms and, and what technology is available to us. So um, either Eugene or Jillian, one of you can answer this. So the question I have is, and I, I get, um, um, I get vendor calls from util from patent search firms all the time. I say we can do it for this price, and we're we're great. And um, you know, one patent search firm will give me results to, for the for an invention. Another patent search firm will give me completely different results for the same for the same invention. How do you quantify or qualify your 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 results? I understand AI is it's fantastic what you're able to do, but is it correct? And how do you, how do you justify that? Well, um, I'll I'll start off, and I'll, I'll let Jillian. Uh, uh, tag in as well. But, you know, uh, we spent two years in research and development, designing the mathematics of our system, designing our proprietary, um, you know, our, our, our computer vision algorithm and, and different facets underneath that umbrella as well. And, you know, the way computer vision works, it's really, we are mathematically, empirically, objectively determining is is you know is is this picture similar to this one? Uh, we've completely eliminated subjectivity, and you know so at a mathematical level, we are determining uh, numerically how similar one image is to another. Now, I'd like to to kind of couple that with you know in visualize IP, we also have the expertise, know how, and, and decades you know decade worth of data from from Sherman Patent Search Group, our our patent search firm, and so. What we've done is it was really important for us to, to approach this problem in the following manner. How do, I don't wanna solve computer vision just from a strictly computer science standpoint where you know we, we don't have patent analysts and, and patent attorneys, former patent examiners helping to curate and design the system. And, and really we just have a bunch of computer scientists trying to solve image similarity. I mean, that's been done and it hasn't worked. And so, our goal was really, we needed to find the perfect marriage and intersection between what do professional manual patent searchers do during a design search, exactly, step-by-step. Step. And how can we model that exact process and automate it um, you know, with cutting edge data science? And um, you know, because we have that manual search, design, know-how, that expertise, you know, we're able to really train our system and to benchmark it you know, un unlike anyone else. And, and, that, and that's really been, you know, part of our recipe. Yeah, I would say what we used a lot for our benchmarks, where it was Eugene being a former patent examiner and having, you know, created Sherman Patent Search Group, he would search along with VIP and with the computer vision, he would do a side-by-side -side search to see his results versus the results that we were getting. And that's pretty much how we were able to benchmark it and see how much more comprehensive the results were being because we, we did have you know the AI to do that. And which is so helpful just to get an overall more comprehensive search for our clients. And he would do that and just do side-by-side -side comparison. And he'd just be like, there's no possible way that I could search you know, millions more images. And that was pretty much how we knew that that was just gonna help our clients just see more and just be able to understand their search at a different level. So it was really, what does, you know, here's an input image. This is the current state of our algorithm. 
let's have our AI do the search. Let's do a manual search. And by the way, I have the assistance of, uh, of a fantastic team of patent analysts as well, all being with, with benchmarking and testing. And really, what does, okay, so let's do a manual search on the same image. What does the manual search look like? What are the best results? What did the AI come up with? And we wouldn't release our software, our tool to the world until we saw statistically that we were either matching or exceeding what humans could do. And as soon as we saw that, that's when, you know, that's really when we pulled the trigger and re released, released our product. But we're coming up close to the end of our end of our time. I did want to ask one one last question, and I'll give you guys last thoughts on it also. But uh, you, you've touched a little bit about about the success of Visualize IP. But you guys have been around only since January of 2022. What successes have you seen in searching thus far? Can you give us like a case uh, like that that uh, that you look at and go that that was amazing? So uh, um, I'll leave it up. We'll end with that. Sure, I'll take some of that. Um, uh, so many. So many at this point. And, you know, um, look, we, we were so fortunate in that we, you know, because of Sherman Patent Search Group, I mean, we had a built in list of people that trusted us. They know what SPSG stands for. And, you know, they expect the same with Visualize IP. And, and you know, when we delivered on that and, you know, it's really, you know, an intense focus on quality and the user experience and adding value. And, and some of the success stories that we've seen, I mean, there, there, are, there are literally so many at this point in the short time that we've been live, but, you know, finding references that the USPTO missed, finding, um, you know, uh, what, another use case that's popped up that we didn't really think of was, was really like industrial designers, you know, innovators, engineers using our tool directly. And so these are people with a non, generally a non-patent background using our tool for design inspiration, for, you know, design FTO, for getting a sense of what does the design landscape look like? Um, you know, so what do our design opportunities, you know, present? And developing a tool that was also friendly to non-patent professionals, you know, um, while that wasn't necessarily like a fundamental stated goal from day one for us, but we've designed our system you know, to really walk anyone with any type of background through a pretty sophisticated computer vision problem. And, um, you know, those, those are some of the advantages we're seeing, but, you know, more advantages are really just finding prior art that manual search missed. That's something like we're hearing pretty much weekly at this point. And, and it makes sense, right? It just makes sense. For a manual search, if we're only able to look through like 8,000 references, six, 7,000 references, or you're a design examiner, you can only look through maybe a few hundred, of course, our automated system that starts out with over 80 million records, we're gonna we're gonna outperform you for sure. And, and it's just, you know, at that point, it's a matter of just statistical um, you know, advantage that we have. And that is like the essence of automation. Well, that, that's fascinating, Eugene. Um, Jillian, do you have any other thoughts about successes uh, for Visualize IP since January, 2022? Uh, just the clients that we've had from, you know, Sherman Patent Search Group that have tried Visualize IP, they, like Eugene had alluded to earlier, they trusted us. So they were like so gung ho about trying out a search. And now we've got, you know, clients for life and they're referring, you know, colleagues or friends of theirs like, oh, you got to try this out if you do design searches. So it's kind of like untapped resources that we hadn't seen before with Sherman Patent Search Group. And now we're finding new clients, you know, pretty much all over the world who are hearing about us through, you know, referrals and stuff like that, which is pretty awesome because 
had we not created Visualize IP, we might have not been able to work with these, you know, different <clears throat> design FTO gurus, I would say. And it, it's pretty phenomenal. And it's exciting to have this new client base and, and see where it can go. Right. I appreciate your time. Adam, Jillian, Eugene, thank you so much for, for joining the podcast today. Um, Jillian and Eugene, how, how can people get in touch with you if they want a demo or they want more information about Visualize IP? Uh, you can visit visualizeip.com and feel free to send us uh, a message there. And uh, that's also where you can access and create an account uh, right, 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 you know, via our website on our homepage. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's really, you know, it takes about, you know, a minute to set up an account and you'll be ready to, to run searches. And, and, you know, that's how we designed our system. Really easy to get your foot in the door and start working on it. All right. Well, thanks again to the three of you for being on and sharing your insights. It's been very appreciative, and I'm sure our listeners have gotten something out of us. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy.